1: We've got two days to go until Notre Dame and Ohio State. Uh, We've got a a couple different people who are going to be joining me. We're going to be doing a breakdown of Ohio State uh, coming up in just a few minutes with Chase Brown from 11warriors.com. We'll get uh, some of his thoughts on uh, the Buckeyes. And uh, Jimbo says, Michigan blows, and apparently so does my microphone cord, so... Thank you very much. We are ready to go. I saw a couple comments as I was checking in. John, playing Ohio State week one, huge advantage, uh, deep throws on offense, relentless pressure on defense. Ohio State not prepared for new look Notre Dame. I agree with that. I, I think that that uh, obviously the book that everyone got on Tyler Buckner last year was this is a guy who's going to run all the time. But He was not a full-fledged quarterback last year. He was a package guy who was out there for a change of pace. And, uh, you know, the biggest questions for me, his accuracy is going to be a question, even though everything I saw says he's a pretty accurate quarterback. What's that look like under real pressure? That's going to be a thing. How does he, you know, make the reads? How does he do under pressure? You know, all those different things. Those are all going to be answers that Tyler Buckner is going to have to answer. Kenny says he thinks the biggest key to winning the game is being dominant, running the ball. That's what Oregon and Michigan did last year. That is very true. And that is also why Jim Knowles was brought in um, to run the defense, new defensive coordinator that they have. So we'll see exactly, you know, which side of that pans out. But I, I, you know, a lot of people scoffed. When Marcus Freeman said, run the ball and stop the run. But that's, I mean, those are two age-old keys to playing football, regardless of what level you're at. Uh, While I'm thinking about it, you know what I'm going to ask you to do right now. Like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Help us out at Irish Breakdown. We've got, uh, I know, you know, Brian's got his shows regular tomorrow. Saturday morning, Vince and I have Countdown to Kickoff. Brian will jump in with Countdown to Kickoff as well for some of, with uh, some of his analysis. And then, of course, after the game, there will be a post-game show Sunday night. There will be kind of an end-of-the-week recap. And Labor Day, Vince and I will be here Monday. So whether you're out at the beach or grilling or whatever you happen to be doing, take us with you because we'll still be doing the show Monday rehashing everything that happened Saturday night between Notre Dame and Ohio State. So, IB Nation Sports Talk will be here Monday, so uh, mark that. Even if you don't get to watch it live, of course, you can go back and find the podcast. little backyard brawl action tonight. West Virginia plays Pittsburgh. Pitts minus seven and a half. Penn State at Purdue at eight o'clock. Nittany Lions minus three and a half in that one. Again, going to talk to Chase Brown here in a minute. Marcus Freeman... Did his end-of-the-week Zoom conference today, his you know first end-of-the-week Zoom conference. Biggest piece of news to come out of that is the availability of left card guard Jarrett Patterson. He is uh, still questionable, according to Marcus Freeman. Still questionable is Jarrett Patterson with that sprained left foot. He says Patterson got some scout team reps this week, uh, took some Reps with the team as well, but they continue to evaluate that. He said they'd evaluate it again after practice today and after practice tomorrow. In the meantime, uh, Rocco Spindler listed as the number two left guard behind Patterson on this week's depth chart. Also said, Logan Diggs, Joe Wilkins, Deion Colsey, all available for Saturday's game. They all had different injuries at some point during training camp, but they'll all be available. Uh, Freeman's also going to take the team. Onto the field at Ohio Stadium tomorrow. And this is one of the first questions that got asked by an Ohio State reporter earlier today. Uh, Freeman said it is less a walkthrough and more just kind of a getting familiar with the setting for his team. He said there's no personal emotion for him in returning to the place where he played college football. So he said, you know, hey, I'm taking emotion out of it, which I think is good as well. I think the Ohio State people had a uh, hard time believing that, but that's where they are. He also said, look for a lot of starters, starter types on special teams. He said he wasn't sure off the top of his head who all they were going to be, but three guys he mentioned by name, Isaiah Foskey, Bo Bauer, Jordan Batello. Obviously Batello not a starter, but again, he's got that He's a year three and we're still talking about potential with Patilla, but he has that kind of ability, but Foskey, definitely Bo Bauer starter types. Notre Dame remains a 17 and a half point underdog going into the game. Freeman said he brought it up with his team, but didn't necessarily like hammer at home. It was more about preparation. That was like the recurring theme today. Preparation, preparation, preparation. So that's what it was all about. With that, I'm not going to waste any more time, promised an Ohio State breakdown, so let's do that right now. Bring in Chase Brown right now from 11warriors.com. He covers, of course, Ohio State football. How are you doing today, Chase?
2: I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, preparing a little bit for the impending doom of a football season, but (laughs) also I'm expecting it to be a lot of fun. Um, You know, Always being in the media, there's a sort of a dread and an excitement that... The busiest time of your year is starting, but then also you get to cover the sport that you love. So I'm that's right to it.
1: That's right. You come out of camp and you need to take a nap for a couple of days and you jump right into the season. But, you know, you got to right. do what you got to do, I guess. B- Before we talk specifically about Ohio State, I wanted to ask you about, you know, this USC, UCLA and just kind of how that went over there in Columbus. You know, what what folks in in that part of the Big Ten country think about it?
2: yeah that's it was pretty um abrupt I remember uh, sitting in an office with a couple of my coworkers, and we see this tweet from John Wilner come across our timelines he was the first reporter to right. have the actual report that you know USC and UCLA were going to be leaving the pac 12 and joining the Big Ten and we weren't exactly sure what to do with it at first we were like well can we trust this guy it's somebody we hadn't really <laughs> heard of before uh-huh. but in our best interest we saw you know he has over fifty thousand followers on twitter i'm sure it's way far uh, way higher now but um we were like okay let's run with it let's see where it goes and you know soon enough we see everybody else is running with it too and eventually ohio state sends a release out and usc and ucla send a release as well as the big 10 and it just all kind of came into fruition very quickly. Um, we ended up having a press conference the next day with Gene Smith, um, Ohio state's athletic director and, uh, the president of the university, Christina Johnson to kind of talk about that deal. And, and they're very excited for it. They're excited about the possibilities that it brings for Ohio state. And they're also looking forward to what it can do, um, in growing the brand of the big 10 and continuing to establish it as, as one of the premier conferences in college athletics.
1: Yeah, obviously, uh, big shots, big ripple effects across college football. It's going to be really interesting to see how things shake out going forward. You know, there's all that talk about Notre Dame and talk about other conferences as well that they might end up getting or not other other schools joining the conference that they might get up to 20 here in the next few years. So I think I think everyone's going to be kind of, everyone outside the, the Big Ten and the SEC will just kind of be sitting on their hands and. A little bit little bit of, of nerves over these next few years, waiting to see what the next kind of uh, shoot of fall happens to be.
2: That's kind of what it feels like. I think that the Big Ten is putting itself in a good position to sort yep. of be the, the other conference that maybe dukes it out with the SEC for television eyeballs. And they're putting together a conference that has a lot of top brands, especially in college football. Um, it already had a pretty good standing when it comes to programs like Ohio State Michigan Michigan State Penn State um Nebraska hasn't been very good recently but you know the kind of football tradition it's rich history there um and adding a school like USC and adding a school like UCLA only continues to bring a football tradition to the conference and I'm sure that they'll be looking for more schools down the line to be adding to the conference as well
1: yep Ohio State it's it's crazy when a two-loss season ends up being one of your more disappointing seasons in recent memory, I guess. But that's kind of what they dealt with coming out of last year. What's Ryan Day's popularity level right now? Does he have any detractors? What What's, what's it like for him?
2: I wouldn't say he has any detractors, but I do think that there are people that want to see him deliver on winning a national championship. Um, it's been a long time since Ohio State has um hoisted that college football playoff trophy obviously they were the first team to do it back in 2014 that 2014-15 season um you know the story behind that it's it's probably one of the most well-told stories in college football history of having three quarterbacks play in that season and you know having that third string quarterback lead Ohio State to a title but um I think Ryan Day is a is a coach that people around Columbus love Um, They love his offensive mind. They love that he has created a place where quarterbacks, uh, high-level quarterbacks, want to come play, and wide receivers as well. Brian Hartline's doing an incredible job recruiting that position, Um, and I think that now, this season, knowing that there is someone with experience like Jim Knowles handling the defense and the staff that he's brought in to help him, that Ohio State has expectations to beat Michigan to win the Big Ten Championship and to win a national title this season, to be one of the teams that will be in the college football playoff and then to eventually win it all.
1: If they're going to do that, of course, C.J. Stroud is going to be a big part of it. He ended up having a great year last year, first year as a starter. I'm curious with him. You know, they start off a little bit of a scare. They're trailing Minnesota at halftime, kind of turn it on in the second half. They end up winning. They lose to Oregon the next week. They beat Tulsa. I think he had three of his four interceptions in those first three games, though, last season. And it seems like not everyone maybe was completely sold on Stroud at that point. That's kind of the memory I have. Just kind of thinking about some of the, you know, the the, the national bullet points and and things like that. Is that fair to say at that point? You know, where yeah. the way things started out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it was something that kind of came as a surprise to me. Um, you know, looking at our message boards at our forums and seeing uh, more than a few Ohio State fans sort of pushing the alarm and, and saying maybe Kyle McCord's better to lead this team. Maybe Jack Miller is somebody that should step in and and lead this team and lead the offense. But, um, you know, it, CJ Stroud, yeah, it took him some time to get acclimated with uh, being the quarterback at Ohio State, but it, it should take anyone a, a good amount of time. It's one of the best programs in college football and it's It's not that he was taking over initially against uh, what we may consider a cupcake team. You know, he had to go on the road to Minnesota, night game, there was some rain. Um, So it didn't really start off against an opponent that he could get his feet wet and, you know, kind of find his groove. It was, this is ready to go. You need to be ready to go playing against Minnesota. Um, And then, you know, week two, they come back and play Oregon. So he was kind of thrown into the fire a little bit. And then against Tulsa, kind of lightened up a little bit. But then also he he was been dealing for with some shoulder injuries and some shoulder problems early in that season. Um, it seemed that when they eventually arrested him for the Akron game um, and he was able to heal up that shoulder, the rest of the, the season was just a trajectory unlike anything that we've seen from an Ohio State quarterback.
1: So he, as he comes into this season, I imagine he looks, feels just like a completely different quarterback than 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 the one at this time a year ago.
2: Absolutely. Um, and Ryan Day has said as much, um, you know, last year leading into the season, almost every time we met with, with coach day, there was a question about who the starting quarterback was going to be. Um, now everyone just asks about what Ryan day is seeing from CJ Stroud and what's made him the best quarterback in the country. Um, and Ryan day, isn't quite ready to bestow that title on his quarterback, kind of trying to keep him hungry a little bit, but he knows <laughs> the kind of special talent that he has in CJ Stroud and that there really is no bad thing that he can say about him. Um, just needs to continue to develop, um, develop in his arm strength, continue to develop in his accuracy, um, and, and continue to be a more willing leader, um, which he has been this offseason. And, and he was the only unanimous pick to be a team captain for Ohio State this season. And it seems like he is responding to anything that Ryan Day has put in front of him.
1: Seems like as I, as I look at this offense and I'm trying to find, okay, where are the real question marks? It seems like it's mostly depth (laughs) issues. Like when you, you know, like what's the depth going to be at running back or, you know, whatever it happens to be. What, what do you think is the biggest question that they have to answer offensively?
2: Offensively, Really, you're right. There aren't too many questions. Um, There was one quote that offensive coordinator and tight ends coach Kevin Molson had about Ohio state's ability to create push up front from their offensive line to really be talented in those short yard situations. Um, It's a new look offensive line. There are three returning starters, but Paris Johnson who started at guard last year is kicking out to left tackle. Um, So you're going to have an offensive line with Paris Johnson, Luke Whippler, and, Dewan Jones that are returning, but then you insert new guys like Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones, who Matthew Jones was someone that kind of was a rotation offensive lineman for Ohio State last season. So he does have some starting experience, but this will be the first time that he'll be relied on to be a guy that goes in every day and is is going to be the starter for all 12 regular season games and beyond. Um, So for Ohio State's offensive line, it really is getting that push up front and being able to establish the run game for guys like Travion Henderson mine Williams and down Hayden
1: defensively a few more questions I mean obviously when you change defensive coordinators and most of the defensive staff you're going to have some questions and probably from our end we've beaten up the whole Michigan Oregon you know in the rushing totals and all that kind of stuff to death you know from our end looking at things but they bring in Knowles, so how, how different do you expect them to look on the defensive side this year compared to last
2: year? I'm not quite sure yet. I think that Ohio State has done a pretty good job uh, keeping exactly what that defense will look like this season under wraps. But from what I can tell, Jim Knowles is trying to create as much chaos defensively as possible. Um, the word that a lot of the players have been using is Multiple. Uh, Knowles wants this defense to be multiple in the sense that they're going to throw a lot of different coverages at opposing offenses, and they're going to rely heavily on that defensive line to get home, which is something that Ohio State hasn't done since really the departure of Chase Young in 2019. They need a defensive end. They need a defensive tackle that can really just be a disruptor up front, and I think they're really relying on those guys to create havoc for opposing quarterbacks and running backs. That way when it gets to the next level of linebackers and safeties and cornerbacks, that those guys can be the ones making plays. Um, just a lot of chaos, a lot of hectic, you know, helter skelter kind of stuff. But I think Knowles has a good plan moving forward.
1: Well, and again, you know, this is from the outside looking in, but like if they're going to rely that much on the defensive line, they they obviously have some guys who are highly recruited, but they haven't necessarily, you know, and some of them are young still, but they haven't necessarily played up to that level yet. It seems like a lot to rely on considering, you know, like they just don't look like they've got the guy up front on that defensive line right now. What do you think?
2: I, I would agree. I think that you're you're kind of hoping that a guy like JT2 and Maloa or a guy like Jack Sawyer would step into that role as sophomores. Um Zach Harrison is somebody that came in as a highly recruited defensive end and a highly recruited edge rusher. But you haven't really seen him prove it um, through his first three seasons at Ohio State. And and maybe that comes this season. It's something that he's looking forward to. Um, but what you need to see out of those guys is somebody that can really be a, a relied on, a very talented edge rusher that can get to the quarterback. It just seems like they've always been maybe a half second too late to getting that sack, to securing that takedown. So maybe guys like JT Tuamalow and Jack Sawyer are, are people that you're going to look to to be those kind of game wreckers this season.
1: Jim Knowles, like you you were talking about chaos and, and multiple, but he's also said that this is a safety-driven defense. And I'm curious, like, what does that actually mean? I haven't really seen it, you know, put to paper, I guess. What, what does it mean to have a safety-driven defense?
2: You know, it's a good question because I'm not really sure what it means either. <laughs> um, I'm excited to see exactly what he's talking about when he brings something like that up. Um, Ohio state uses three safeties or Knowles uses three safeties in his scheme. Um, there's two of the traditional, you know, the free safety and the strong safety roles. Um, but he has, you know, these new look names like Rover and bandit, um, sort of the bullet that Ohio state's been using in years past. But I think where the chaos comes is with those safeties is that there's always going to be three safeties on the field. Now, where do you put them? Is there going to be a safety that's up closer to the line of scrimmage? Will there be one that lines up almost like a linebacker? Will there be one that's 15 to 20 yards off the ball down the field, providing coverage over the top? And I think what the chaos is, is that Jim Knowles is looking to put those different safeties in different spots so that a quarterback can never guess exactly what's coming. Um, And that those safeties will be key to creating that chaos and allowing Ohio State to do some of the things defensively, that might lead to some disruption for an opposing team's offense.
1: Well, and that's interesting in this matchup specifically because you've got a guy like Michael Mayer, who's obviously such a big part of of Notre Dame's offense. And so I imagine those safeties are going to come into play when it comes to defending Michael Mayer Saturday night.
2: Yeah, and Noel said yesterday that, you know, they, they understand that Michael Mayer is an elite tight end at the college football level and that he's going to be an NFL tight end. Um, I'm not sure how you guys might break him down, but at least in my estimation, he's probably gonna be the first at that position taken off the board in next year's NFL draft. Um, so Ohio State's game planning heavily to to be able to stop him. They understand that um there's a first-year quarterback coming into the shoe, somebody that likes to run it a little bit more than they like to throw it. But when you have a big a a big a target as Michael Mayer over the middle or running out into the flats, gets pretty easy to throw him the football. So you're gonna to need to defend him heavily to make sure that that part of the passing attack is not utilized as frequently as maybe they'd like to be
1: you know the the bowers kid from georgia there's a lot of love for him but it 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 just sure seems like again we get to see michael Mayer every game so we you know we we see what he's all about if he's not the first he'll be the second tight end off the board i would think you know i think they both have a really good chance to be first round guys but This first game, it is a first game. Neither one of these teams gets any kind of tune-up coming into this game, first game of the season. Does that, despite, you know, Notre Dame is obviously a, a big underdog going into this game. Like, from, from your perspective as you sit and you look at this, are, are, are there enough unknowns to kind of make you go, eh, well, I don't know, just, just because it is an opener?
2: I think so. Um, I've kind of been... Uncertain what to think of the 17 and a half point spread in favor of Ohio State, only really because it's the first game of the season. Um, I understand that Ohio State fans are hungry, um, that, you know, last season wasn't exactly what they wanted from their football team. And that 105,000 fans are going to be packed into Ohio Stadium on September 3rd. But, you know, when it comes down to it, I think that this game will be more entertaining and probably closer than people might think. Um, I'd like to say that Ohio state, um, at least right now is a team that will cover the spread in most of their games this season, but I'm not sure about this one. I think Notre Dame has a lot to like, um, a lot that's unproven and a lot that can't really be scouted by Ohio state's coaching staff. And so, um, I'll give them, I'll give them their credit where it's due. And I think that this game will be closer than maybe we expect.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, you know, again, Ohio state had to get by Minnesota. Now, granted, they're in the same situation Notre Dame's in with a new first year starting quarterback on the road and all that. But like Notre Dame last year goes to Florida State and it wasn't a very good Florida State team. It wasn't a good Florida State team the year before, but it ends up being an overtime game that Notre Dame was you know just able to get out of there with. It just seems like in college football with no preseason games, there's, there's, there's that element that can make things look a lot different than any of us think they're going to look you know it's like because we're basing most of the things on what we saw last year you know
2: right and I think that if Notre Dame uh withstands maybe the initial punch from Ohio State's offense let's say CJ Stroud comes out and leads an opening drive and and scores a touchdown maybe gets the crowd into it but then Notre Dame comes back down on the very next drive and scores a touchdown to tie it up then I think we know what this game will look like you know I think that People are expecting Ohio State to maybe be the better team here, as indicated by the the line. But I do think that Notre Dame, the, you need to put some respect on the fact that they're the number five team in the country. You know, they, they have the respect of AP voters, of the coaches poll. Um, so there needs to be that kind of respect for them. And that if Notre Dame comes into this game and responds well, especially in those opening moments, I think that we're going to be in for a good one.
1: Will this season, from an Ohio State perspective, will it be seen as a failure if they're at not, not at least in the national championship game, if not winning the national championship? I think so.
2: And, and I think that that's kind of become the expectation, sort of the, the floor for Ohio State football is to make the college football playoff. Um, I'm not sure if really you'd say the national championship is the floor, since the, the turn of, of becoming the college football playoff, you'd like to think so, but also Ohio State has, has been to the college football playoff more times than not. But then also they've played for a national championship only twice. Um, in 2014, they, they ended up winning over Oregon in 2020, they lost to Alabama. Um, so you, you would think that this Ohio State team has expectations to go all the way. Um, so I do think that that would be a failure um, in the mind of the coaching staff and in the mind of the fans, if, if they don't end up hoisting a national championship trophy this year.
1: So finish this sentence for for this game. For Notre Dame to make a game out of it, this has to happen.
2: That's a great question. Uh, I would say win the turnover battle. Um, if, if Notre Dame's defense, um, I, I look at guys like Isaiah Foskey as a playmaker in this game. If he can you know, cause a, a turnover with a forced fumble, Um, you know, turn that into a short field advantage for Notre Dame's offense to score and maybe take the lead. Um, You know, there are some guys on Notre Dame's defense that are playmakers. And I think that if they can win the turnover battle and that they can force Stroud or Henderson or Williams into some turnovers, um, that could change the game drastically.
1: All right. Chase Brown, 11warriors.com. Great stuff from you, Chase. Appreciate having you on today.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great
1: turn my microphone back up since we had some issues earlier that last part there about the turnovers I I think that a lot of people would probably agree with that or at least I agree with that Notre Dame probably needs to win the turnover margin Vince and I were talking last night I think plus two at least Notre Dame needs to be in turnovers potentially plus three you know either that or you know like plus two and one of them is a pick six or at least puts them in great opportunity to score that that kind of thing like big game changing momentum changing type plays. So, we shall see we got it coming up Saturday in Columbus. Thanks for joining us. Remember hit that like button, subscribe, rate review and all that good stuff. I will talk to you next week. I be Nation Sports Talk.